Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation, and this is something we do week by week. We come out onto the streets of Glasgow with the gospel. This might surprise you. It may be that you're not used to a minister of religion and others coming out in the street. Well, the early church did it. The Lord Jesus Christ did it. And we would continue to do it. You would have heard of the Sermon on the Mount. We find it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Very probably the best sermon that was ever proclaimed. Well, it wasn't proclaimed in a church. And it wasn't proclaimed in a synagogue or a temple. It was in the open air. And we come out, friends, because the Christian church has a commission to go forth with the gospel. Let me briefly refer to it. We find it in Matthew's gospel. Jesus came and spake unto them, that is, his apostles and disciples, before he was going to leave them. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's commonly regarded as the Great Commission. It was given to the original apostles, and to the disciples. Well, they fulfilled their part of that commission as best as they could. But the gospel is to go unto the very ends of the earth. And they could never fulfill the commission. They didn't have the means or the transportation or the technology 2,000 years ago. And therefore the commission has fallen upon the 21st century church. And we have come out from our churches and our pulpits and our studies and we want to bring the everlasting gospel to the people of Partick and Glasgow this afternoon because whether you know it or not this gospel message is the most important thing that you can ever consider because your eternal destiny depends on what you will do with Jesus Christ. What think ye of Christ? We know that many people despise Him and reject Him and hate Him and ridicule Him. But friends, there is no way to be right with God. There is no way to be found in heaven unless you're saved by Jesus Christ. He said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. And what that means is, no one will get to heaven unless Jesus Christ takes them. No minister of the gospel can take you to heaven. No parent, no mother, no father, no priest, no religious person, no religious teacher, none. None can take you to heaven but Jesus and Him alone. Why is He so unique? Well, He's unique on a number of scores. First and foremost, He is the eternally begotten Son of God. A baby of rape. A baby of rape. Why do you say that, sir? Well, Mary agreed to it, but that's not rape. How did she agree to it if she, if, she, if she didn't know about it? She did. She was revealed to her. The angel Gabriel revealed it to her. She was willing to be... Do you know the one that says that, uh, that uh, adultery covers child abuse? No, I haven't said that at all, sir. Oh, well, a boy over there said that over the same thing. Why does the Ten Commandments have nothing about child abuse, nothing about rape, nothing about genocide? Genocide's covered under the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. No, 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 no. Yeah, well, it's, it means murder, that's what it means, you're quite correct. Well, genocide is murder, surely, is it not? Genocide is murder. Well, it depends. Not Muslim, and the Crusades, there wasn't genocide then, wasn't it? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you're saying things. I mean, the 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 all sexual sins are covered under the seventh commandment: "Thou shalt not commit adultery," telling us clearly that all sexual activity is to be confined within the bond of marriage, and that marriage is between one man and one woman. That is what marriage is. And if we were to study the Ten Commandments, we would be amazed how wide their application. And if we would uh, apply the commandments to our national life, our lives would be transformed. But sadly, what have we done? We have replaced the law of God with man's law. We have set aside God's law. But as I was saying earlier, we have we come out with the gospel, friends, because we have a, a divine mandate. We have a mandate from Jesus Christ. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now what things are we to teach? Well, we are to teach the things that Jesus Christ has taught his disciples. And we, at this occasion, would be in the, in the major things of Christianity. What are the major things of Christianity? Well, the major things are that God is the one who has created all life. God is the great creator. He has made heaven, earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe. He is the one who has created all life. 
plant life, insect life, bird life, fish life, animal life, and human life have all been created by God. He's the one who has created mankind. And at the beginning, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were perfect. Absolutely perfect. But then, what happened? Well, we, we know what happened. Sin entered into human experience. The evil one, Satan, speaking through a serpent, came to Eve and tempted her. And she succumbed to temptation. She ate the forbidden fruit, and she gave the forbidden fruit to her husband, Adam, and he ate it also. And since that time, way back in the, almost at the very beginning, sin became a reality. Sin entered into our experience. And therefore, because of sin, our relationship with our Creator has changed. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, had a wonderful relationship with their Creator. But when they disobeyed, that relationship was broken. They sided with God's arch enemy. But God is not to be outdone. He has done something about it. He has sent forth a Savior. And that Savior is His only begotten Son, the eternally begotten Son of God, the second person in the Trinity. He came to this world. He was consumed. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit. So that when He came into this world, He was without sin. In fact, He could not sin. It was impossible for Him to sin. And that's very important because the Savior that we trust upon is the sinless Savior. One who became sin. One who was punished in the room and in the place of sinners. But he himself was never a sinner. He was being punished in the room and in the place of sinners. He was a substitute. So, what are the fundamentals then of Christianity? Creation, sin, and the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we would focus upon His life, upon His teaching, upon His passion, upon Him sweating blood at Gethsemane, and upon Him giving up Himself on the cross, being nailed to the cross. And then, friends, He was taken down from the cross. Why was He taken down? Well, He was taken down because He was dead. They put nails through His hands and His feet. They put a crown of thorns upon His head. His enemies did all they could against Him. And then, finally, a sword pierced His side. And He gave up the ghost after He had cried, It is finished. Therefore He died on the cross. Now that's important because some people will deny 
that he died on the cross. But he did die. He had to die. There would be no forgiveness. There would be no hope for us unless he died. Why? Because the soul that sinneth must, must die. And in order to pay the penalty for our sins, he had to die. There was no escaping it. It was not enough that he suffered. He had to die. Well, friends, he did die. And he was taken down from the tomb. And he was put into a borrowed tomb. The tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. A tomb that he had prepared for himself. He was there in that tomb. Friday night, all day Saturday. But something glorious and something wonderful happened on the first day of the week. On Sunday morning. The first day of the week, the Christian Sabbath. What happened? Jesus came out of the grave. And when the women went early in the morning to the tomb, thinking that they would see the Lord Jesus, His body, and they were going to anoint His body, they arrived, and the great stone that was over the tomb was removed, and the tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. Is that not good news then for mankind? Is that not wonderful news that we need to hear? The Lord Jesus Christ, dead, buried in a tomb, there for Friday, Saturday, but early on Friday, Sunday morning, arose. And therefore, the one that we present to you this afternoon is not dead. He's not in a tomb. He's not smoldering in a grave. He's alive. And many, many people saw him alive for some 40 days. Various people saw him on numerous occasions. One time, about 500 persons saw him at once. This was no delusion. This was real. And some of the apostles handled him. And some of them ate with him. They were absolutely convinced that he was alive. And they were so convinced of this that they were prepared, therefore, to go out into the world and to face hostile crowds and tell them that Jesus, whom they had crucified, is now alive and that they had seen him. And they would tell these people, some of whom were instrumental in crucifying Christ. But they would tell these people the gospel. They would tell them, repent and believe upon Jesus Christ. Repent and turn away from your sin. 
and believe upon him and take up the cross and follow him. And that's the message that we want to bring to your attention this afternoon. And we come out, friends, because you might not think that we live in the real world, but we most certainly do. We know that the vast majority of people who will be heeding this will never be found in a place of worship. And they will never hear the authentic Christian gospel. They might hear snippets, but very often what they hear is not true. It's not the real gospel. And therefore it is incumbent upon us that we go out and even for a moment of two, if we can draw your attention to the Savior and to your great need of Him, then it will be worthwhile then it will be profitable to us. Because, friends, if you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you pass into eternity, you will perish. The Bible makes it clear to us that we're mortal. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow and soon the place shall know us no more. What happens when we die? Well, if you listen to some people, they'll try to tell you that everyone who dies goes to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible teaches us that in order to be saved, we must have a Savior. Our sin must be dealt with. We must be reconciled to God before we enter into eternity if we are going to be found in heaven. And that's why we come out, friends, to tell you about this person, to introduce this person to you, that you might make inquiries, that you might seek Him, that you might find the peace of God that is to be found only in Jesus Christ the Lord. He says in His Word, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give I unto you. The Lord Jesus Christ can give you that peace with God. The Lord Jesus can give you a peaceful conscience. What a wonderful blessing it is to have a peaceful conscience. Why is it, if you're honest with yourself, you don't have a peaceful conscience? Why is it there's something in the back of your mind that's troubling you? You may be don't know what that problem is and maybe you can't articulate it. I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is sin. The problem is you're not right with God. But the solution, and yes, we rejoice, there is a solution. The solution to our greatest problem is found 
in Jesus Christ the Lord. How can He possibly deal with our greatest problem? Well, He's the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we don't like to hear this, but we're all lost by nature. We're all estranged. We're all separated from God. There's a great barrier and a great gulf between us and our Creator. And that barrier, that gulf is sin. And only when that barrier is taken away can there be a right relationship with God. And only Jesus Christ can do it. He is the Savior. God did not go soft on sin. Instead, He punished His Son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus Christ came from heaven in order to save. And we rejoice today that His work was perfect. His work was acceptable. How do you know, minister? How do you know it was accepted? How can you say that? We can say it, friends, because there's an empty tomb today. I cannot take you to the, to the tomb of the Savior. Why? Because He's not there. He's alive. And God would never raise to life an imposter or a liar. And Christ was seen for a period of 40 days alive by His disciples, by 500 persons at one go. So that's no illusion. That's no delusion. And these men, the original preachers of the gospel, tradition tells us that almost all of them, we believe, ended their lives by preaching Jesus and the resurrection. In other words, they lost their lives because they believed in Jesus and the resurrection. And therefore, we can tell you with authority that there is life after death. You know, this is what the atheist hangs on to. This is what the atheist loves. He loves to think that this is the only life. And then, when this life is over, it is all over. That's what he likes to think, and that's how he deludes himself. But friends, Christianity has proved that's all wrong. It is just fanciful nonsense. And what's more, I put it to you this afternoon, that you know it's nonsense. Why? Because the Bible tells us it's part of our constitution. Eternity is built into us. We know there is a life ahead after death. We know that death is not the end. And Christianity has proved it. And therefore, we come out, friends, because this is the day of grace. Yes, a wonderful day of grace. A time when to get right with God. What does the Bible say? Behold now 
is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time to get right with God. Let me quote what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Right here and now, with all our infirmities, with all our imperfections, with all our mistakes, we are in some sense preaching the gospel to you. We are telling you, friends, what we know of our own experience, that Jesus Christ welcomes sinners. That's why He came. He has not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Why is he not come to call? Why is he not come to call the righteous? Well, that's easy to answer. There are no righteous. There's no righteous individual in this world. None whatsoever. That's why we need a savior. And that's why he calls us. He calls us in the gospel to come unto him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. We like our doctors. We like our dentists. But you won't go to the doctor. And you won't go to the dentist if you have no problem. But if you've got toothache, you will go to the dentist. And if you've got a problem, you will go to the doctor. Well, we all have a problem. And that problem is sin. But not only do we have this problem, we don't recognize we have this problem. So in many respects, we have two problems. <clears throat> we are sinners, but we don't recognize it. And that's why we come out. We come out in order to tell you the truth as it is in Jesus. To tell you that we're all lawbreakers. We've all broken God's commandments. He has given us a law. We are to obey that law. We've broken that law. We're accountable to Him. We're sinners. All mankind. And there are no exceptions. But it is good news. The good news is that the great physician has come. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is part of the gospel call. Repent. Turn away from your sin. And one sin, among many, but one sin that we must 
exercises, we need to correct our views that we have of Christ. The Jews, they said, crucify him, crucify him. Basically, what did they say? We will not have this man to reign over us. They would not accept Jesus Christ. Their thinking, their views of Christ were all wrong. And they had to repent. They had to change. Well, so it is with us today. We're inclined to despise and to think little of Christ. We are inclined to despise Him and to disdain Him. Instead, we are to run to Him. We are to recognize that He is the one who has been appointed by heaven in order to save mankind. And we must therefore put our faith and our hope and our trust upon Him. We're going to take a short break, but we trust that God will follow with His blessing upon the preaching of His Word. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. You come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill. It's a steep hill, but go up there and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And our building is just next door to that on the crossroads. We meet on the Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also meet on a Wednesday evening at, at 7.30 p.m. These are open to the public and we would love to see you come along. And please accept this as a well-meant, sincere, genuine invitation to you to come along and join with us. We'd be happy to receive you. It's possible that you've not been to a Christian place of worship and maybe you could be a wee bit apprehensive or nervous. Well, please do not be. You'll be made most welcome and you would be under no obligation. Or it may well be that you did go to a place of worship, but during the COVID era, you got out of the habit and sometimes it's not easy to begin new habits. Well, whatever, you would be made most welcome. Please come along at Sunday 11 or 6 or Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Also, you may be someone who would like a Bible and you don't have a Bible. And you might find it difficult to buy a Bible in Glasgow. Surprising, but that is true. Well, if you would like a copy of the Scriptures for yourself, then please make yourself known to me or one of the gentlemen who are handing out gospel tracts, and we would be delighted to provide you one. Again, no obligation. Well, we come out, friends, because we have a very important message that all of us need to hear. And that message is a message that's come from heaven. 
we would ask ourselves a question today. What is wrong with this world? What is wrong with it? Why is there so much violence, crime, sickness, sorrow, tears? Why is there so much death, decay, destruction? What's wrong with this world? Well, some people might say there's, there's nothing wrong with this world. This is the way it's always been. Well, that is not exactly true. There was a time when there was no death, no decay, no sickness, no tears, no heartache, no crime, no prisons, no hospitals, nothing like that, nothing. So what has changed? What is the problem with this world? Well, the problem is a very small, three-lettered word. It's called sin. You don't hear that much in the modern vocabulary today. Regrettably, you might go to a place of worship, and the likelihood is you will not hear much about sin there in the place of worship. But the Bible, and we seek to bring all our teaching today and every day from the Bible, the Bible makes it clear that this is our great problem. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and He created it perfectly. And He created our first parents, Adam. He came from the dust, and Eve, his wife, she came from Adam. And they were the first husband and wife. And all mankind have descended from them. And when they were created, they were in their pristine glory. God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. Man was the very pinnacle of God's creation. And for a time, Adam and Eve enjoyed fellowship and a glorious, wonderful relationship with their Creator. But it did not last. God has an enemy, Satan, a fallen angel. And he's, uh, he is out to destroy the works of God. And he saw this perfect human pair. And he tempted Eve that she might disobey God, who had given Adam and Eve a very simple command. They were in the Garden of Eden. It was theirs. They had to look after it. But they were forbidden to eat the fruit from one tree, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this was a test God was given to them. If they passed this test, it would show that they loved God. 
Well, the evil one came and tempted Eve, and she succumbed. And she, took, she looked at the tree, she took the fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. You might say, no big deal. Well, it was a big deal. It was high treason of the highest order. They rebelled a bit against their creator God, and they sided with God's enemy. They committed treason. And the, the penalty was death. And from that moment, they died in some sense. They did not die physically, but they died spiritually. They died in the sense that they no longer had that relationship with God that they once knew and enjoyed. That was taken from them. And because of this, God put a curse upon creation. That's why we have weeds. That's why we have bad weather. And that's why we have sin. That's why we have wickedness, crime, evil. That's why the animals eat the animals. That's why nature is red in tooth and in claw. It is because God has put a curse upon his creation because of mankind's sin. Now, we're used to it. We don't know what it was like in paradise. But we bless God that there, right at the very beginning, God promised a Savior. And God gave our first parents a wonderful sense of encouragement that although they had sinned and their relationship that they once knew with God was now broken, yet there was going to be a day when things would change. God said, and He said it to Satan, He said it to our arch enemy, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's the first gospel promise. And it's a promise telling us that the Savior was going to come. One who would bruise the head of the evil one, Satan. And he did that. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ came. And he did all that was required of him, living a perfect life and ultimately dying and offering up a perfect sacrifice to make atonement for our sins. You see, sin is serious. Sin is something that demands the death penalty. The wages of sin is death. And that's why Christ had to die. He himself was not a sinner. He was perfect. Yet, he died as a substitute. He died in the room and place of sinners. And the essential message of the gospel is, friends, when we put our faith and hope and trust 
upon Jesus Christ, we know forgiveness of sins. That barrier between God and man is removed when we believe upon Jesus. For he was delivered for our offenses and raised to life for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the gospel gives. That's what Christ gives in the gospel to those who believe upon him. We have peace with God. How can we possibly have peace with God? We can only have peace with God when Christ takes away our sins, removes that obstacle, removes that barrier that is between us, between God and man. You see, God is holy. God is absolutely holy and pure. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the Christian God. That's the God that we find in God's Word. A holy God. A just God. A righteous God. A God who will not tolerate sin. But a God who has done something about it. What has He done? He has sent His Son to deal with sin. Ezekiel the prophet said to those who were in exile, and they were in exile because of their sin, he says, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Well, these words are pertinent and relevant to us today. God does not take pleasure in punishing sinners. He does not take pleasure in the death of sinners, especially when He Himself has provided a way of escape. And that way of escape is through His Son. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation as it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 think on it friends the Bible tells us not to flatter us but to inform us the Bible tells us we're all sinners by nature and because of this we deserve God's wrath and God's condemnation but God, who is rich in mercy, has provided a way of escape. He has of Himself made a way whereby we can be reconciled to Himself. Now this is quite remarkable, because He is the one who has been offended. We have sinned against Him, yet God was the one who initiated the work of salvation. God saw us lost and perishing. God saw us without hope in this world. Yet, 
He has done something about it. He has provided the Savior. And therefore, we are to call upon Him. We are to believe upon that Savior. And that's why we come out this afternoon. That's why we leave our, our pulpits and our studies. And we come out and we seek with all our infirmities and shortcomings that we might be enabled to bring the good news of the gospel to you this afternoon. And it is imperative that you put your faith and your hope and your trust upon him now. For today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. We don't know what today will bring. We don't know what tonight will bring. We don't know whether we will have a tomorrow. And therefore it's vitally important that we close in with Christ today. Because, friends, when we die, there is no opportunity to get right with God. There is no gospel in the grave. There is no gospel in eternity. Now is the time. Today is the time to get right with God. So the Bible tells us, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So many of us number our years, but the Bible would tell us to number our days because life can be very short even at its longest what is it in comparison to eternity if you were to live 70 years 80 years 90 years 100 years a long time maybe by human standards but what is it in comparison to eternity we cannot measure eternity we cannot grasp what eternity means but a hundred years is but a flash in comparison to eternity so teach us to number our days we're mortal we're here today and we're gone tomorrow and we must make our peace with God today now James says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. There are a few things that are absolutely certain in life. Life is short, death is certain. Sin is the problem. Christ is the cure. He is the answer to our greatest problem. Sin came into this world because of man's disobedience. And we've all inherited our sinful nature from Adam. And therefore, as far as God is concerned, we are guilty. We are sinners. For there is no difference, for all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. It is said of the ancient world, before God sent that flood that destroyed all but eight of the ancient world, it is said of the ancient world, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. For God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Friends, we might not like this, but that's the state of our hearts by nature. Even our thoughts, only evil continually. That is, in the sight of God. And remember, we will be judged by God. We'll not come before any human standard. We'll be judged by God's perfect standard. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah tells us, the heart